Hello, I'm Martijn Graat and this is Does Logistics Matter? A podcast on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics. Answering yes to the question today is Laura Ceciri, also known as the Supply Chain Shaman and founder of Supply Chain Insights. In this episode, we talk about the five types of supply chains, what having an excellent supply chain actually means, and how the future of supply chain is outside in. Please enjoy my conversation with Laura Ceciri. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. My pleasure. Um, uh, Laura, the first question of this podcast is always the same, and it is, does logistics matter? Well, of course it does, right? Um, logistics is an important element of supply chain and supply chain builds economies and hopefully will save the world if we can kind of get our act together. Uh, you know, logistics, of course, matters. Ah, that's a, that's a, I like that answer. Thank you. Uh, and I, I understand that you uh, talk about a supply chain because your... Um, cup of tea, so to say, is uh, way broader than just logistics. It is supply chain. You're actually uh, known as the supply chain shaman. Where, where, does the, where does that name come from? Well, the the shaman is supposed to be the, you know, character that helps us to drive um, insight, to drive in- excellence, you know, but really I was shifting jobs and I needed to start a blog and I had to find a URL that was available and it was available. But I do hope that I provide insights and a different point of view for people. I write for the Business Innovator, uh, which is very different than when I worked at Gartner Group because when I was at Gartner Group, we wrote for the late stage IT adopter. Mm -hmm. So I try to um, really take more of a, controversial point of view and uh, try to help people to understand the art of the possible and, you know, imagine, you know, different outcomes with supply chain, because I find many people are quite stuck in their paradigms and their thinking about supply chain. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a um, uh, supply chain and logistics is a very uh, traditional uh, industry. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting to me that it's become so iconoclast because you know, it's really relatively new. In 1982, the term supply chain to encompass, make, source, and deliver was defined. Yeah. But suddenly we got a lot of stale thinking, and I don't understand why, but that's one of the things that I try to break down. Yeah, great. And I, well, I, I think for sure you're, uh, you're, you're living up to your, uh, you're living up to your name. Um, so, so what got you into uh, uh, supply chain? What, what happened? When did you wake up in, in the morning and say like, oh man, I'm just going to so go into supply chain? Well, Martin, it's serendipity. You know, my mother used to say, you know, follow open doors. So I had a chemical engineering degree because, you know, I liked being able to do things with molecules and I was recruited by Procter and Gamble to go into manufacturing. And there's nothing like opening the door of the factory in the morning and hearing the machinery and working with people. I loved manufacturing, you know, it's just the cadence and the dynamics of manufacturing. But I liked building things and creating things. So I went into R&D and did new product launch for a while for Procter & Gamble. And my ex-husband, and the ex is the operative word there, decided that 
he didn't really want to be in Ohio. So he found me a job at General Foods, which is now a division of craft. And I did new product launch for the business leader for mm-hmm. uh, the food division there. And, you know, we got into implementing technology and, you know, and I sort of got into the ran manufacturing for 15 years, was always on that project team with IT to put in technology, was always the gal that was pushing things to get better and got recruited by supply chain planning vendor and just kind of got propelled into the world. It's been, I think, a good learning activity as doors open. If you take them, you don't know where you're going, but, you know, you find yourself at 69, you know, being the supply chain shaman. I, I can't believe you are 69. Yeah. And, st- and still going strong. Yeah. I hope to go strong for a long time. Yeah. And, and then you see those, you see those um, uh, like jokes uh, on, on LinkedIn, like uh, I'm in supply chain and I'm in logistics and I'm only 32. And then you see this, this picture of this, uh, I don't know, 100 year old uh, person. Uh, so uh, those, those apparently are uh, jokes because uh, being in supply chain, uh, has has not aged you. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I used to travel about 200 days a year and I don't travel like that anymore. I, but um, yeah, supply chain has been a great career for me. Um, so I, I, so the last, uh, uh, one of the last things I, I um, uh, read uh, by you was on uh, supply chain excellence. And that's, uh, that's a topic that I would definitely want to uh, discuss with you. Um, but before we go into supply chain, chain excellence, um, what I'd like to ask you is to just uh, take a look back at, uh, at, at, at the recent years. Um, and then in light of supply chain excellence, what have been the, uh, the developments that, um, um, yeah, that are, are, are most significant for you in supply chain? Um, how far back do you want to go? I, I guess, however far back makes um, uh, makes sense in in the light of what uh, companies are missing when it comes when it comes to supply chain excellence. So there might be there can be some items that you say, man, they have been doing this wrong since the eighties, or you're just saying, well, they need to make some shifts because they're because of some recent developments. Uh, well, so let's go back in time to 1982 when we first started working on optimization in mm-hmm. supply chain. Our focus was on functional optimization. And that really spawned planning, whether it's transportation planning or manufacturing planning. Yeah. And at that point in time, we were dealing with 32-bit architectures, which only allowed us to do limited optimization. Mm-hmm. And that defined the taxonomies of what we have today. Now, in parallel, we went from regional to multinational to global supply chains, and we tried to get economy of scale out of supply chain in that journey, and we did not get economy of scale. In fact, we don't see that mergers and acquisitions actually give us economies of scale either. And when I look at economies of scale, I'm really looking at cost, I'm looking at margin, I'm looking at growth, I'm looking at inventory. And actually... We carry 30 more days of inventory uh, now than we did at the beginning of the recession in 2007. Mm. And so I think that, you know, the issue is that we define supply chain excellence by functional metrics, things like lowest transportation cost, OEE, lowest manufacturing cost. Yeah. 
Uh, and that throws the supply chain out of balance because the supply chain is a complex nonlinear system that really needs to be uh, embraced in totality. And so I think that, you know, when I was at AMR Research, which became Gartner, the work I did on the Gartner hierarchy of metrics is flawed because it defines supply chain as a function within other functions, not supply mm -hmm. chain as an overarching business strategy. So I think that our metrics really need to be focused on the intersection of growth, operating margin, inventory turns, asset and customer service, not the functional metrics. And the good news is that our technologies today allow us to embrace a multidimensional larger model that can tie to a balanced scorecard versus functional metrics. And that shift is extremely important because we don't have unified data models in supply chain. There's nothing in common, for example, between transportation management and distribution requirements. There's nothing in common between revenue management and demand management. And so as we think more broadly around mm -hmm. managing balance sheets and we think more broadly around architectures, we can redefine the ability for an organization to reach supply chain excellence. But to do that, we must unlearn a lot of practices that are seen as best practices because they're not best practices. They throw the supply chain out of balance. In transportation, you know, we're very fixated on route guides and first pass tender. Yeah. But, you know, route guides are really based upon history, you know, and first pass tender, you know, we're not very reliable. So what if we went outside in for dynamic deployment and, you know, we held ourselves accountable for being a good trading partner and we totally change how we think about logistics based upon market signals, not based upon history. And that's part of what I'm trying to achieve. Um, so, uh, um, uh, and we keep talking then about supply chain. And if I hear you correctly, then 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 the whole term is actually uh, wrong because a, a chain uh, is something linear. And you're saying that uh, actually supply chains are are not li linear. So, uh, are they? Uh, is it more of a, a network or a matrix or or a, or a circle or what? You know, I. You know, I'm not going to wordsmith and redefine terms, but I think that supply chain is a set of capabilities that help people to balance a balanced scorecard and that it goes across source, make and deliver and that it allows bidirectional orchestration, of course, source, make and deliver to be able to drive better outcomes. Now, the problem is that as we invested in relational database technologies like mm -hmm. ERP and APS and TPM, TMS. We love those acronyms, right? Yes. We basically put all our data in data jails uh, and we lost the semantic layer and we don't have a unified data model. And so one of the advancements out of Web 2.0 that I think is very interesting is schema on read versus schema on write and the ability to move to NoSQL and unified data models and to be able to drive bidirectional orchestration to make trade-offs across source, make, and deliver, which is a capability we don't have today, and to be able to do what-if analysis on that. And that's actually part of what I'm trying to test with major supply chain planning vendors. But I may have gotten ahead of the conversation, so reel me back in and let's talk about what you think is interesting. 
Well, just looking at, so you, you have mentioned a, um, uh, a, a few things that you think are important uh, uh, when it comes to supply chain uh, excellence. You went a little bit into, uh, into the technology as well. So if you, if you would uh, define um, supply chain excellence, how, how would you define that? Uh, and also, is there a, a company of which you say, those those guys or those girls really get it and and that's that's uh, uh, supply chain excellence in action yeah unfortunately there aren't a lot of girls uh there's only about 30 percent women and yeah. uh you know not a lot of diversity not a lot of people of color as well and so i am a strong advocate for diversity um so let's talk about what is supply chain excellence. So I do this annual report called the Supply Chain Studmeyer, which we break companies into industry groups because the first yeah. thing you've got to do is you've got to define a peer group. And that's harder than it may sound. It took me about four years to divide them into peer groups because things that are typically used in the industry, like sick codes, mm -hmm. don't really help us to define like industries. So I worked with manufacturers and retailers to say, you know, are you in the right group? And um, this methodology now is on its 11th year. And I worked with Arizona State University to say, what set of metrics drives the highest correlation to market capitalization and price to book? Because mm -hmm. I was trying to move us from a cost discussion to a value discussion. And I came up with, you know, a balanced scorecard of growth, operating margin, inventory turns, return on invested capital. Would love to throw customer service in there, but there is no industry standard definition for customer service. No. So, you know, in an implementation, a company should use customer service. Now, those metrics are intertwined. And the goal of optimization should be to reach the balance of those metrics based upon the opportunity in the flow. The typical supply chain has five different flows. Yeah. It's got a very efficient supply chain, which is about 20 to 25% of the volume, which is very predictable, high volume. It's got a responsive supply chain, which is all about short cycles, things like vaccines and seasonal and event products. Uh, are all about time. Mm -hmm. And then you've got the agile supply chain, which is about low volume, very lumpy demand products, and they require a different set of strategies. And then you've got what you're doing in your new product launch or demand shaping activities, which you know is an agile supply chain, but typically needs a little bit more design uh, because you're typically working with third parties. And then the fifth supply chain is kind of cleaning up your mess. It's dealing with, you know, things that slow and obsolete inventory returns, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, managing, you know, all of the loose ends. So as you design the supply chain, it's important to look at coefficient of variation and volume to be able to do the design. Now, Martin, only 9% of companies actually actively design the flows. Most companies mm. will design an asset strategy, but not design the flows. 
And so each of these flows needs to be balanced against a scorecard, which goes across the organization. And one of the most important shifts to make is a movement from cost to margin, because cost only helps me with what's happening in the back office. Yeah. Margin helps me to understand the difference between demand shipping, shifting and shaping. Demand shaping looks at, am I increasing baseline lift? Whereas demand shifting will shift products from one time period to another without increasing baseline lift and will demand shifting actually increase cost without driving growth. So these metrics going to a balanced scorecard is essential. And then when you do that, the functional metrics become all about reliability. So instead of looking at demand error, I look at forecast value add. Instead of looking at OEE, I look at schedule adherence and first pass yield. Instead of looking at the lowest transportation cost, I look at first pass tender and on-time delivery. And mm. these come up to a balanced scorecard. And you know the companies that do this well are very aligned and really very aligned organizationally and metrics to a balanced scorecard. So who does this well? Well, in the supply chains to admire analysis, you know, there are some companies that rise to the top that I never conceived would be doing it best about driving the balanced scorecard at a balance sheet level. Yeah. Asse Aboy out of Sweden, uh, Johnsonville Sausage in the States, uh, Sleep Number in the States, hmm. uh, Rick and Ben Kaiser does better than Procter and Gamble. Church and Dwight outperforms Colgate, and so when you look at these numbers, you know it's quite surprising which companies are really driving the biggest impact on the balance sheet. Does that make sense? That's I think I talked a lot. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. No, no, no. It, it does. So, and what, what, what key, um, what key, what, what differentiate these um, th these top players from from their um, less performing counterparts? Well, the interesting thing is you seldom see the top players speaking on a stage, uh, so they're not spending as much time talking about how good they are. Uh, hmm. They're more focused on you know driving you know real results. Uh, and what I find is the companies that are driving better results in their peer group on the balance sheet are very aligned on what matters at a strategic level. And I don't know if you read my recent blog around most people start at process definition, not a strategy definition. Yeah. So to really drive balance sheet results, you've got to start at the strategy and you've got to design those flows and the operating strategy and then define process. Yeah. So they're they're good at defining a business strategy, taking it to an operating strategy and aligning on that operating strategy and aligning on a common set of metrics versus their traditional global supply chain deployment pits functions against each other, manufacturing against transportation. And yeah. if I have the lowest cost of manufacturing and I'm trying to have the lowest cost in transportation, those organizations will split yeah. because fundamentally what drives the lowest cost is not necessarily going to drive alignment. And yeah. so the leader of those companies is very attuned 
with the need of metrics development to drive alignment and the need for clear definition of strategy. So, uh, so, uh, and what they do is they focus on on value and added value, and and not on cost, which is the uh, which is which is a lot of the times the the uh, well, it's it's even the the, the 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 it's the way that logistics and and supply chain are are seen. So they are a cost. Where I always say it's where you can uh, it's where you can win and lose. So it's it's definitely not a cost. Yes, it costs money. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's what it's what it's what makes you the money in the end because it it's uh, it's what gets you the product uh, when it comes to supply chain and it's what gets the product from A to B and to the to the end customer when you talk about logistics. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, lots of people say, "Well, it's technology or it's a consulting firm," uh, but I find that it's just really very much focused on. Who's the customer? What does the customer care about? And so many people aren't clear on that. What is the business strategy? How do I translate that business strategy and operating strategy? And how do I align source, make, and deliver to do that? And then how do I keep the alignment based upon the scorecard? Yeah. And um, so, so what... What technological developments uh, do you see? Uh, it could be recent ones, or or maybe even you see, uh, you know, you have a crystal ball there. You see them in the future. Uh, technological developments do you see that um, uh, can help uh, companies uh, uh, get to a supply chain excellence uh, level? I mean, are we going to see supply chain GPT? Oh, yeah, we'll see it, but will it be successful? Unless we define excellence, it won't be <laughs> successful, right? Yeah. Too few people really uh, are asking themselves the question of what defines excellence. And so as a result, you know, we'll put in GPT into traditional optimization and really just put the organization on bad steroids, right? Yeah. And um, that won't help us at all. But let's talk about at the technology level. What I find very interesting is uh, NoSQL and uh, unstructured text mining and uh, the building of outside-in processes. I believe in five years, we will declare what we currently have as TMS and supply chain planning is obsolete because Mm -hmm. it's inside out, it's not outside in. And so the evolution of, you know, signals uh, in transportation, whether it's GPS or what's happening in the cab or, you know, our current transportation systems don't use that very well. It's very focused on history and uh, traditional transportation processes. Same thing on, you know, the supply chain planning side. We're not using demand signals very well and uh, we're not really sensing and responding or reacting. So I think that you know, as we move from inside out to outside in, we are going to declare our current planning systems and our current thinking around planning and design to be obsolete. And I find that very exciting. <laughs> so so what will we use then? Well, we're going to use uh, Scheme on Read. We're going to Sense and we're going to Respond. And we're going to have a unified data model across DRP and TMS, and we're going to drive bidirectional orchestration. So it's impossible for an organization today to make trade-offs between transportation, manufacturing, and distribution. 
you know, we do SNOP, we cast it in stone, sort of like concrete, and then we try to execute it. But the market changes. And how does an organization shift with the market? Uh, we don't have good answers. And I think this move in technology will help us to do that. Um, um, Laura, thank you so far. Um, I'd like to ask you one closing question. Uh, in the opening of the podcast, you, you uh, we were talking about uh, if logistics matters. And um, you said that, that logistics and supply chain was going to save the world, um, which... Yeah, that sounds really good to me. So can you, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on your show. And I think it's really essential for supply chain leaders to put our shoulders back and take the challenge of how do we make things better? So for example, food is so essential. And the question yeah. is, will we have enough food to feed the population by 2050? You know, 2050 isn't that long in the future as we think about our children. But, yeah. You know, agri-sciences actually have advanced to be able to drive 30% productivity improvements in the last 40 years on things like grain and foodstuff and dairy. And so, you know, that's an example of a network that is really redesigned based upon science and molecules to be able to improve food and food value chains mm -hmm. and the only industry that has improved cost in the last decade is the food industry uh if you look at oh. the rest of the industries we've pushed cost and waste back into the network which yeah. has increased cost and increased waste and so our investments in enterprise systems you know as our sole focus is an opportunity cost for us to be doing better things Now, I'm an environmentalist, you know, I spend a lot of time in my garden, you know, I, you know, try to protect the monarch butterflies, etc. And if you look at environmental, nice. you know, the supply chain, 77% of the environmental load from the supply chain comes in the network. Yeah, but we're not good at measuring that. And a lot of times people have these fancy documents, and they've got these great statements about ESG, And they're planting trees, and I don't think we have enough land to plant all the trees that we supposedly are <laughs> that planting. We would actually right? need, yeah. But if you look at supply chain, you know, why do 40% of the trucks in the U.S. roll empty? Yes. Why do you in the Europe the same? Yeah. We have no collaborative logistics, right? And why are we not looking at reverse trapping of hydrocarbons, which we're starting to do, Mm -hmm. as a business to try to convert uh, some of the hydrocarbons, right? Yep. Why, are, why are companies not good trading partners, right? Why do we not have a trading partner index where a company that causes wait time or doesn't return containers or doesn't return the chassis is penalized? Yeah. You know, today we are a team sport with bad actors. And there's nothing that rewards good behavior. And so if we're going to really take on the mantle of improving corporate social responsibility, we have to be good trading partners and we have to be a good owner of shared assets and logistics. And we need to put our money where our mouth is and rethink the processes of waste. So for example, 
companies hold 30 days more inventory now than they did in 2007. Yeah, yeah. That inventory is one of our biggest sources of waste. It fills warehouses. We have to run those warehouses with electricity. We've moved that product. We've converted those atoms. And look at how much of that goes to a landfill. The management of inventory, which is often what is the byproduct of manufacturing logistics not being aligned, is a tremendous drag on the environment. And so I want us to put on our mantle to do things better, to learn from the food industry about how networks can transform value chains, own our trading partner relationships, and to own our impact to the environment and come up with better ways. And I'm tired of the lip service. 92% of companies have these corporate social responsibility documents. People fly all around the world talking about yada, yada, blah, blah, about what they're doing in the environment. But we're really not driving a difference outside in on collaborative logistics and looking at how do we do things better. Yeah, Laura, I have Laura, I have nothing to add to that. I think you're absolutely right. So uh, I I hope what you um, uh, yeah what you wish that will happen that uh, that companies uh, see that we need to stop racing for the bottom uh, when it comes to driving down costs and and that companies really start focusing on value and 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 their own value but also the value for um for 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 the planet as a whole and the the environment and and and, and the climate and so. martin let me just let me just end with yeah. a thought okay yeah. i'm a chemical engineer by background in 1978 i got a chemical engineering degree and i couldn't get a chemical engineering degree without two classes one was on system thinking and the second one was on design yeah and i think everyone that is becoming a system thinker in supply chain good for you But the fact that only 9% of companies actively design their flows is abysmal. We cannot really drive corporate social responsibility without the design of the flows and without looking at what is the role of inventory, what is the role of each node, and how do I drive better outcomes outside in? And I think that's the challenge is let's stop talking about cash to cash and let's stop talking about lowest cost let's own the design let's design to the balance sheet let's embrace our networks let's build effective trading relationships and be good trading partners to drive better outcomes um laura you absolutely 100 owned and nailed your supply chain shaman title so Thank you very much for your wisdom uh, and and for your look forward and for your hopes. And I I hope you're right. And um, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Does Logistics Matter? For more on trends and innovations in supply chain and logistics, visit our blog on logisticsmatter.com. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, please send an email to podcast at logisticsmatter.com. This podcast was produced by Dimitri Vleugel. The music is based on a sample by Ruggerman and produced by Michael Spengler. This episode was supported by Laura Ciciri and Supply Chain Insights. 
Supply Chain Insights is focused on delivering independent, actionable and objective advice for supply chain leaders, helping companies to find out which practices and technologies make the biggest difference to corporate performance. For more information, visit SupplyChainInsights.com and SupplyChainShaman.com.